0: This is Archive Atlanta, episode 129, Hidden History of Old Atlanta. You're listening to Archive Atlanta, a history podcast where each week I'll be sharing a story about the people, places, and events that shape the history of the city of Atlanta. I'm your host, local tour guide, and total history nerd, Victoria Lemos. Hey guys, happy Friday. This week I want to share a conversation I had with author Mark Pfeiffer about his new book called Hidden History of Old Atlanta. If you've been a longtime listener, you heard me mention him way back in the Decatur episode because that's when I first discovered his work, which was a book called Native Decatur. And while his new book covers so much, I focus on asking him specifically about the period between the removal of the creek and the Muscogee and then the formal establishment of Atlanta in 1847. I used to think of this space in Atlanta's history as like a void of good stories, but I was so wrong. We talked about the formation of the railroads, the moving of the zero mile marker, a mere 1200 feet. Why? Uh, we talked about Wilson Lumpkin, who was just full of drama, um, how Marthasville got its name, why it was changed to Atlanta, and my favorite is why downtown street grid is the way that it is. So without further ado, here's my interview with Mark.
1: My name's Mark Pfeiffer. I'm an author of I'm an, I think I can officially say I'm an offer of three books, uh, although one nobody can get yet. Um, the first one was Native Decatur, and I've written a new book called The Hidden History of Old Atlanta.
0: I do want to, and I have to give a shout out to Native Decatur because I've, I talked about this in the Decatur episode, but for me, Decatur is like a foreign land. So I turned to your book, and right <laughs> away, your little intro there, talking about you know, Native history, but also prehistoric history and woolly mammoths and stuff. And from then on, I was like, I don't know who this guy is, but he's my hero. Because we're talking, you know, you're taking me to that place to appreciate even before Native Americans. But even that is that all the books I had read, all the research, no one was even talking about those. The history of Georgia tends to start with the white guy. Um, And what I love about this book that really surprised me is I tended to think of the period from post-Native removal to the forming of official Atlanta as like a weird dead zone. Like mm. I really did. I just thought there was a couple of settlers out here, you know, Ivy or whoever, I'd heard those names, but I had no idea. I mean, the chapters of cool stuff in here. So I do wanna sort of focus on that. I feel like we're gonna talk again because there's to you know, talk about the rest of the chapters of the book. But first I wanna know, so how did you even get into this?
1: That's a good question. I, I, in many different ways, I think. It seems like I, I, uh, whenever I answer this question, I have a different answer. And I think that's because there was a lot of different reasons for it. I, I've always been interested in history. And I'm, I'm sort of an outdoorsy guy. So whenever I go camping, I try to imagine what it would be uh, like before like a... all these buildings were here and kind of wish the world was, was a little closer to that living off of the things you do right outside your house instead of working for someone else who pays you money to do it. And I, I sort of long for those days. So I, I really enjoy reading about it. But there's a there are multiple reasons. Uh, and, you know, it, it just begins there. It doesn't end there. There, I'm really fascinated with the stuff that you and I talked about in Decatur about just like you said, I'm, uh, you're exactly right. The, the, I come from Washington, D.C., and I moved to the South, and I consider myself a Southerner because I've been down here longer than I've been anywhere else. So I'm a true Southerner, and I don't plan to leave. And as a true Southerner and maybe one who also came from another place, it really kind of bugs me how we talk about the history of the South as if when the first white people showed up, as you put it, that was the beginning. Mm-hmm. And obviously it wasn't. And it also bugs me because I come from further north around Washington, D.C. And I can say this because I was I, I lived among them, that I think people, especially if we're around Boston, seem to think the history of America began yes. and it, <laughs> yes, the whole story that. is there. Yes. Right, right. That you don't really need to worry about the rest. It was all there. But Georgia was one of the original colonies. And it, there is a really, really valid and interesting history to look at of everything that happened in the south and it doesn't all have to do with misdeeds it, it, there are not all villains in these stories it's just like what you would read in massachusetts or other places There are really really the more i look at it the more i see there are really really interesting stories and people to find out about mm. so i keep peeling back those layers
0: so let's go to this place that mm-hmm. is the last um act that removed the creeks and the cherokee is it 1825 i think it was
1: 1825 was the was the main treaty that redu that that gave the last of the creek land in georgia over to the united states 1836 is when the
0: cherokee Cher- but the land that was to to be atlanta later was Muscogee yes, creek land was 1821 18 okay so yeah. at that point we forcibly remove Native Americans, and there's land lotteries. Yes. And then who is owning the land lot that is the general Atlanta area? Do we know?
1: Yeah. Well, it was uh, with a few different people, but Reuben Cohn was one of them. who was a guy who showed up, in. he's from Decatur, yeah. so he was in that first book. Oh, okay. And he bought a bunch of land down the road. The other guy was Samuel Mitchell, who... Owned either one or two of the land lots.
0: So but, this is yeah. pre railroad. This is just that's
1: pre railroad. Okay, yeah, so and no one had an
0: inkling of it. I mean, this was just a bunch of guys owning these land lots because they thought maybe it was yes. a, a good deal. When to... they owned, them. got the... it. The early and I, I. even loved. Normally, I'm not a transportation person, but even the early railroad stuff. Can you tell mm-hmm. us that story of the how the railroad gets to Georgia?
1: Like uh, like you, I, I thought it was really interesting that. Um, I think the first sentence in one of the chapters is... There's a lot of different ways you could say it, but but the reason Atlanta is here is because of New Orleans. Oh, um, really? Yes. All of the commerce in America, um, everything that was going all over the ocean back to Europe, originally, before all this happened, was mainly from Charleston and Savannah. Those were two of the biggest port cities that there were, and there was all this money flowing back. But as... That was when, you know, if if here's America, I'm holding my hands up. (laughs) If if here's America, you got this little sliver over on the East Coast, and that's the whole United States. Well, as it started moving over to the West um, and didn't get to California yet, uh, but you got to the Mississippi River, they were calling that the West. There were no roads. There were no railroads. There was nothing. There were all these products coming out of this new land that the United States was getting a hold of. And the only way to get all of that stuff out of the country was to send it down the Mississippi River to New Orleans. And the only place.
0: Oh, and then go around.
1: Yeah, and then go around. Oh, fascinating. So all of the money that was flowing out of the United States—not all of it, but the largest portion of it—was coming out of New Orleans. Quote the stat, but New Orleans was like the fourth largest port city in the world at that point, really? and like doubled in size over. Uh, only a couple of years, yeah. So that was good for New Orleans, um, or New Orleans. However, I, I know say I don't yeah. <laughs> probably get an angry letter uh, from, some, from some for, New Orleans people for anyone from that area. <laughs> I, yeah. We're trying. It's New Orleans. I know that's the way I should say it, but I feel like I'm I'm trying too hard when I say it sometimes. Um, that was to the detriment of of Charleston and Savannah. So they came, oh. So they were they were pretty smart. I mean, this was high tech at the time. High tech was railroads, and they were like, "What are we going to do? We need to start. We need to figure out some way to get these goods flowing back out of the middle of the country or the west at this point and back over here to the south." So a lot of a lot of historians that I've read are considered that were are, are especially impressed that we pulled it off but even more impressed that it was the only cooperative effort between multiple states to build a railroad network you know, in 1827 in South Carolina they established the Carolina Canal and Railroad Company and then uh so they beat us to the punch but then the Central Railroad um 1833 they established this the Central Railroad and Banking Company that was going to go from Savannah to Macon and then the Georgia Railroad was established in, on December twenty-first, eighteen thirty-three. The very next day, so everybody started putting their rail- railroads together at pretty much at the same time. Okay. The the big step that for Atlanta was the state railroad, and that, that was the one. So they were coming all the way across, but there were no because this was all Cherokee land. There were no cities up to the north. So there was nobody like Savannah or Macon or Augusta who was going to, they were putting city funds into establishing railroads.
0: Okay, that makes sense. Um, So then
1: that's why the state had to step in. And the state established the Western and Atlantic Railroad and started, there was a, I wrote down the quote from the resolution that they came up with in the state Senate on um, December 23rd. 1st, 1836, there was a resolve on the on the part of Georgia to establish a railroad, and this is the quote, from some point on the Tennessee line near the Tennessee River, commencing at or near Rossville, that's Chattanooga, in the most direct and practicable route, and then here's the part, the good part, to some point on the southeast bank of the Chattahoochee River. That was That's an important statement because that's the very first inkling that you have that points toward there's going to be a city. There's going to be here something, something here. Yeah.
0: Okay, so a group of people are selected to find that crossing point. Yeah.
1: That was mainly that was Abbott Hall, or um, Stephen Harriman Long was the chief engineer of the Western Atlantic okay. Railroad. And they sent him down to survey the land, go across the Chattahoochee River, investigate all these different spots, and take the levels for where they were going to find this point where they he put a stake in the ground and said, this is where, this is where the railroads will meet. And, and in essence, then said, this is where this city is now going to exist.
0: So let's go to that stake, a.k.a. the zero mile marker, right? Yeah. So you're say, saying Stephen Long didn't actually do it. This is his assistant, who was right. named?
1: Uh, Abbott Hall, Brisbane.
0: Okay, and then... Because this is that classic Atlanta origin story, right? Yes. Like the guy, you know, hammered this the is stake really in the This is really interesting. Yeah. I, and I, well, I want to talk about it because I find it fascinating. Me so too. So this, and did they call it a zero mile marker at that time? Yeah, I think so. Okay, so this was like, hey, the, the railroad's going to go Or here. the
1: zero mile, or yeah, they called it the terminus. Okay. Know?
0: And yep. that spot, now I always heard it as being uh, someplace in underground Atlanta under that parking deck. Mm-hmm. But that's not the original spot. No. Okay. So I. No one
1: knows exactly where that stake really? was. They only know that it was further up to the north and the west.
0: What general area of current Atlanta would that be? Just guessing.
1: It would be, well, I can actually, it would be under the World Congress Center.
0: So it was somewhere over there.
1: Yeah, it was real close to the gulch. The gulch is where, where the terminus eventually okay. was established. Okay. But it wasn't real far away, but it was far enough away.
0: And now why did it move?
1: <laughs> that Cause... is the mystery. I know. I love I, And this. I explore it quite a bit. I I, I have my thoughts. So... First, we got to go talk about Wilson Lumpkin again. Okay, so because
0: he was the governor he's an interesting character.
1: At he's this a, time, he was he was not the governor at this time. He was a former governor. Okay, and then um, after we he was governor, he uh, Andrew Jackson asked him to oversee the removal of the Cherokee, and he and he he was a big booster for railroads. Um, he had gone on a scouting expedition to look for land around uh, georgia in georgia where uh we could potentially lay out a railroad while that land still belonged to the cherokees oh. um and
0: shocking connection right there's I mean, connections
1: all over the place it
0: shows you how mm-hmm. the, for the many reasons we removed them but it was really so we could have that land it, to yeah. make money off of and put uh, a railroad. Yeah, in, yeah that ends
1: up i mean i yeah sadly when you Look and look and look. Everything turns out to be always oh, yeah. driven
0: by money. Yeah, and, and do, I mean, as a, as a researcher too, right? It just appears there for mm-hmm. you, you know. Especially when you see things in chronological order, you're like, oh, yes. they did this surveying, then yes. right after they removed all the people. Oh, great, now we built a railroad. You know, it's yeah. very clear. And
1: as you as you were sort of alluding to in the the, the Cherokee removal was happening anyway, but the 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 time that it happened, 1836, just as these railroads were getting built and making their way west toward this point. And, you know, we got to get started with that other project, which is the State Railroad, was when they, and and Wilson Lumpkin, our guy who's the railroad booster and the guy who um, was chosen to oversee the removal. It's all really connected. So then it gets more interesting with Wilson Lumpkin that, for whatever, it's another mysterious thing. They, they The Western Atlantic Railroad started building, and they named Wilson Lumpkin became the dispersing agent for the Western Atlantic Railroad.
0: And you talked about dispersing agent as the person yeah. who decides the dividends, basically, yeah. that gets paid. And
1: just manages the bills. Um, that's what he was supposed to do. However, that's not at all what he did. He acted as the president of the railroad. Oh. And the first thing he did when he stepped into that position, was decide that he was going to move the terminus. He only moved at 1,200 feet.
0: Oh, it only moved 1,200 feet?
1: Yeah. So
0: what? Why?
1: Good question. (laughs) I think I know why, but I'll save that till after I tell you why a lot of people think he did. There's a letter in there that I totally pick apart and and go through each paragraph. And I, I, I doubt I can remember everything in there, but he, according to him, he arrived on the scene, there were no plans made, nobody knew where we were going to put this terminus, and it was all just forest, and he was out there, he creates this image for his daughter, who comes into the story, where he describes he and his engineers sort of riding out on their horses into this wild wilderness and, and picking out where this railroad is going to be. Of course, that is
0: totally for not whatever true. reason, that
1: is absolutely <laughs> not true. Um, they knew for many years that there was going to be a railroad here. There was, And as we mentioned, John Thrasher, he had been working on uh, an embankment that was supposed to be per- supporting this railroad for years already. And he had a whole crew of people.
0: So there was people here. I mean, so you're saying John Thrasher at this point was already here. He had already right. built the Monroe Embankment. He right. had already had, and they were mostly Irish workers, I think you right. said. Lumpkin is kind of saying... Oh, I came in, and there was just woods. And... He's lying. Yes. I
1: mean that's <laughs> a lie, and he knew very well that. I don't understand because this was years later that he wrote that. Wow. And I don't even understand why he said it. The the important point about his move, his moving the location of the terminus is he moved it from one land lot owned by Reuben Cohn into an it, only 1,200 feet. But I say you know it, it was only 1,200 feet, but it might as well have been in the next state because he crossed a border over into another land lot that was owned by a different guy. Uh, Samuel Mitchell, and got together with his uh, engineer, who I'm looking, oh, Charles Garnett, I'm sorry, Charles Garnett, Wilson Lumpkin, and Samuel Mitchell then developed this plan for how they were going to establish this town over in the next land lot over. People had already been speculating on land that was over in Reuben Cohen's land lot, and the chief among them was John Thrasher, the guy who built the embankment had bought a hundred acres up there and was planning to establish a whole town. <laughs> Do
0: you think it was like Glumpkin and Mitchell were friends and he was trying to help out his land value? It certainly
1: seems that way. And because there was no reason for him to move it that anybody could see. And, uh, and it was strangely, he all the reasons that he claimed that he moved it were, were definitely not true. That he said he, he imp- that the land over there was much better, but he actually moved it closer to a swamp. The, a, a low part where they said cows used to get mired in the mud all the time. Um, it appeared at first that the only reason that he would have moved it there was because he had some kind of deal with Samuel Mitchell. And this guy Samuel Mitchell was, was a little bit dodgy as well because, as you and I were just discussing, he, he, he claimed that he got that piece of land because he traded it for a horse. Some guy came to his house, wanted to stay overnight, which was... You know, everybody did because there weren't hotels at the time. Uh, a guy became ill in Samuel Mitchell's house and stayed for a long time and then wanted to leave finally. He wanted Samuel, I'm sorry, he wanted Samuel Mitchell's horse, but had no money to pay for it. So he gave him the deed to a piece of land. Well, that was that was Samuel Mitchell's story. And everybody thought Samuel Mitchell owned this land. However, this deed ne- was never produced. Really? He could not show the deed for the land. And it was challenged whether he owned it at all. His wife, after Samuel Mitchell died, he never produced the deed for the land. And Mitchell eventually, or Mitchell's wife, eventually had to go to court and have it reestablished as the really? deed. And they accepted it. Yeah. I and I, I, I raise a question in this sort if if he didn't have the deed and he didn't live in the area, which he didn't at the time, how did Lumpkin even know that he should go talk to Samuel Mitchell about putting about getting this piece of land? it's it's very odd it's very there's it's very suspicious and uh samuel mitchell so the state square the big area basically the gulch samuel mitchell gave it to lumpkin for free which seems like a crazy thing to do but if you think about it it's really not because he gave him the little piece of land where he can establish a terminus but everything around it became enormously valuable
0: Okay. After that. Now, and you say Terminus, and I know everyone always knows, or many people, especially Walking Dead fans, right, that Atlanta was known as Terminus. Yes. But is this the time period, or is it before this? Mm,
1: it's there. Okay. Um, when. Uh, when Thrasher was building the, the embankment, when they started calling it Terminus.
0: Now, but I, I highlighted this because I was fascinated. This Black yeah. Ankle and Canebrake yeah. and Black Hall. Yeah. I've never heard these names. Me
1: neither. So well, these, did this, yeah. these
0: three were mm. sort of early, early names of yes. this little settlement that Thrasher had.
1: Yeah, before there was any talk about a railroad, they used to call it Black Ankle.
0: That is or Cane so Break. interesting. Yeah. And Black Hall. That is-
1: yeah, Black Hall as opposed to Whitehall. Whitehall was the tavern down the oh. road. So it was sort of just the other part of the oh. area they called Black Hall. Um, well, and then we, we if we're going to talk about all that, I, I think anybody listening to the podcast right now is itching for us to say Martha'sville.
0: I know! <laughs>
1: because so. people
0: don't, you know... Some people don't even know, right, that before Atlanta, there was yeah. so there was Terminus, informally. Yeah. But between and Terminus and Atlanta,
1: there was Marthasville. Marthasville. And Terminus was a, was a familiar name that people just kind of called it because it was the Terminus, and they just shortened it to Terminus. Marthasville was an actual town that was incorporated really? and named. Yeah. And the idea to call the place Marthasville further, laying further suspicion at the feet of Wilson Lumpkin, The idea to call it uh, Marthasville was a a noble gesture on the part of Charles Garnett and Samuel Mitchell for their good friend, Wilson Lumpkin.
0: Interesting. Uh,
1: Because his daughter is named Martha, Martha, and it's buried over in Oakland
0: Cemetery right now. So he's not the governor at this point.
1: No, he wasn't. He was... I have to look. I don't. No, I had this totally
0: wrong. In. So the story, I and again, this is he why he was a
1: governor, yeah. but
0: not at this time. And no. this is why this is I, all
1: after governor. I
0: love the book so much because I just again, I kind of blended these like two decades into each other. But it's like I thought he was a governor. I thought they were just trying to name him after the governor. I didn't realize yeah. he was so involved with this. Yeah. And now his role in this whole little land swap thing, and He's then just oh, some we guy want to name at this point. Yeah, yeah. That is that is yeah. very. That makes it much weirder. Talk, right? talk about
1: yeah, sort of conflict of interest and maybe yes. abuse of power. Certainly abuse of power because he changed. He came in as the quote unquote dispersing agent and then changed the whole plan.
0: Wow, this um, has totally changed the name Martha's for me.
1: Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's that's where Martha's and he Loken was a really interesting guy. And there there was there were other good stories about Loken. He was. He, he was uh, he was a good promoter and and constantly wheeling and dealing but when they according to him when Garnet and Mitchell came to him and wanted to name the thing Marthasville, he was like, oh no please please don't do that and uh, but besides I, I, there's already a lumpkin county elsewhere in Georgia uh, so you don't need to do that for me but then when they later changed it from Marthasville to Atlanta, he was furious really I <laughs> oh, yeah. know that yeah.
0: I want to go back to State Square because one of my favorite chapters, and it's so short, but I think everybody would find it fascinating is you go through each of these streets that we have today yeah. and talk about them yeah. and their origins mm-hmm. and i i, I want to say people probably don't realize this like one of my number one questions from listeners and stuff is street names mm-hmm. people are fascinated by street names we like to change street names um you know like they where they go where they don't go so yeah. go back to State much Square. Every name
1: we just mentioned you'll find their street yes someplace.
0: especially downtown like i didn't know about cone yeah in That's So all those guys, I'm like, oh, there you go. You have downtown Atlanta, like street names. Um, But State Square is like the nucleus, right? So it's donated by Mitchell. And then the city is born there and spreads out. Yeah. And then you talk about how it's laid out. So if you can kind of go over that. The
1: the crookedness of it. So yeah, this is. (laughs)
0: Because let me tell you, downtown Atlanta, driving it, is so chaotic and i again from new york where it's a grid i also have no sense of direction but i get frustrated downtown atlanta it makes no sense to me but you explain why it's like that
1: so yeah the the crookedness of and the, the weird layout of downtown atlanta is also where i get to the defense of lumpkin because but i don't know how to feel about it because when you really look at it lumpkin did a really smart thing by moving the the terminus and moving the center of town and that's because it contradicts his own point he acts like there was nobody there and it was just an empty area but it wasn't at all there there were people passing through every day there was a stagecoach driving through there were different farms around and people were riding through the Atlanta area really honestly for thousands of years before there was any of this talk of railroads or anything and the reason for that is because two of the major trails in the area passed right through exactly where downtown Atlanta is now. And those were the Soapstone Ridge and Sandtown Trail crossed, came over from Decatur and flowed up and then, and then sort of banked uh, north a little bit and went up to the Peachtree Trail, which was how you got to Standing Peachtree. So if you wanted to go between Sandtown and Standing Peachtree, the two...
0: Which were two native mi- yep, villages. The
1: two big creek villages that were in the area long before any of the Europeans showed up, that's the trail you used. And then in passing through in the opposite direction, you've got the the trail that also flows down to Sandtown because to gets there via Whitehall, the Whitehall Tavern, and flows up the to the Shallowford Trail. And that... Shallowford Trail runs up to Roswell, but it was exactly that. It was the Shallowford. You take this trail if you want to find the point where you can ride your horse across the river. That's amazing. And that had been there forever. and People had been using this the whole time, but the stake that Abbott Hall, Brisbane and William Harry Ben Long planted was not at the intersection of these trails. It was a little bit north of that. So what Lunkin decided to do was move it down to the intersection, and that That's where the the center of town, Five Points, is where all these trails cross and have been crossing for thousands of years. So he actually, in my opinion, it was a much, much more logical place to put the center of a new town. And it was also a good place to put a state square and a terminus where three railroads come together because that's just another connection for the center of town.
0: And, I mean, we can assume that he obviously... (laughs) saw that and knew this, and, and but isn't going to give credit where it's due, right? I yes. mean, in his stories, it's, I picked this yes, spot. But in it reality, it's Native Thomas. ingenuity and thousands of years of people figuring out the best way to go. And he's yeah. like, oh, actually, you know, I'm just going to yeah. put it over here. In, in,
1: <laughs> in, yeah, I would like, and I mean, it really is, it's not even exaggeration to say that, that the Native Americans chose where to locate Atlanta. The, the engineers really didn't do it. The engineers came along and verified and did their readings and said, okay, yep, they're right. This is the best spot. And this is because, and it does matter, it's, you know, the the way they land, yeah, the way the land slowly, for a railroad, you need a nice long grade. And the the Native Americans already knew exactly where the nice grades were because they walk on them all the time. So, but it's weird because like you say, maybe he didn't want to give credit where it was due, but every reason that lumpkin comes up for moving the terminus he never mentions that and and he comes up with all these other things that just simply aren't true that that's it was so that funny. the land was better over there and it was less swampy
0: like we're in downtown atlanta now at five points there's that sculpture of the water tower but is yep. that sort of that intersection of that's the trail it. wow yeah, as
1: far as i can tell that's exactly okay. where it was wow. you are standing right on the center of where those trails came together State Square would have been just on the right side, the southeast side of that intersection. Okay. would have been the, the north east corner of the state square. Yeah.
0: And then the streets start to appear sort of from there.
1: Yeah. Decatur Street was the north side of the state square. Whitehall Street was the east side of the state square. Yeah. So
0: what why are, are the streets crooked?
1: Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah. No, I because so I don't know if we that. This is where there. I thought I, he should say it because if, if he said it out loud, as far as I think it was a very innovative thing in city planning, that they all, there was this sort of unwritten rule, or maybe it was written, that when you lay out a town, you lay it out on a grid and the grid goes north, south, east, west, and you do it that way. And more times than not, if you look at towns across America, that's they're laid out in those straight lines they never kind of look at the land itself and then sort of modify your city plan to how the land is already being used that's essentially what they did for the center of atlanta they formed the streets around those trails as they were and the trails don't run north south east west they run northeast southeast uh, they just run in the best
0: place it was the way the land was formed
1: yeah so that's why down sort of to the, if you look at the grid of Atlanta, the original, the original Atlanta was laid out on the, in a square. And there were four, within that square, there were four smaller squares. And the one in the top left was Reuben Cohns. The one in the top right, um, it's in the book someplace, but I don't remember who, maybe David Ivey owned that one. I can't remember who, Samuel Mitchell owned the lower left one and somebody else owned the one over on the right. It might have been Mitchell too, I'm not sure. In In the original Marthasville plot in the, in the southwest where Mitchell owned the land and Lumpkin and Garnet originally laid out all those streets, they're all crooked. They're yeah. all running on the diagonal. But then up in the, in the uh, northeast, in that square, they decided to go back to what they thought was in air quotes proper. Oh. And they run north, south, east, west on the proper grid. So that's why when you're traveling through downtown, you're first starting on the roads that Garnet and Mitchell laid out more and naturally. And they're they're parallel to Whitehall Street because that was the the trail. And then as you go up north and uh, the northeast part of it, you make a you have to make a left turn and it goes
0: uh, interesting north. yeah so i can just it curse is. all of these men's name as i drive downtown
1: yeah exactly <laughs> That's what you're saying. yeah and just outside the land lot that mitchell owned they went back to north south east west really? so that's why it's all crooked now and they would have been smart just to leave them on the diagonal that was a really smart way to do it i thought yeah but that's why i said in in my opinion if there was a mistake that was made it was the ones who switched it back to north
0: to the proper way, yeah, which wasn't the, just working with our terrain. Right. And, and who
1: cares once you get 10 miles outside the city, whether you're traveling on a diagonal yeah. or, a, or a straight up and down line. Oh. It's not like that. It's not, it doesn't lead any place more quickly. Actually, yeah. the diagonal gets there more quickly.
0: So we have trains now or a train, a railroad, and we are called Marthasville. And that only lasted for two years, right? Yeah. Okay, so why Atlanta?
1: So yeah, that's a that's another good story. So everybody hated the name Martha'sville. And because it
0: was country? No.
1: <laughs> I guess. You know, I think it's a perfectly nice I like name.
0: it. I mean, I grew up, so I grew up in Washingtonville, which yeah. is the tiniest town ever, but right. named for George Washington. So I mean, I grew up in a aville, maybe I have something <laughs> I, I don't hate it, but I I don't either. I heard the urban legend that it was like really long to write yes. on the
1: Boxes railroad or stuff or yeah. something. Okay. Exactly. That's why I've heard that too. I've never Found that written in an old letter or something, but I can imagine people felt that way. Mainly, uh, the the only reason they give for it was that they thought it was it was um, it lacked the nobility that of the great city that they wanted to build.
0: That is so Atlanta. That is the most Atlanta. It's it's so image and marketing. Like that's so classic.
1: So what really happened was that there were two other railroads coming to the city to form this connection, the Georgia Railroad and the Macon and Western Railroad. When Lumpkin changed the location of the terminus, he didn't just screw things up for landowners who thought they had valuable land a little bit further to the north. He screwed everything up for the railroads too, because they were building toward this certain spot. And it really aggravated them that he had moved the um, terminus. And especially aggravated the Macon and Western or the Monroe <clears throat> Railroad because their, their embankment that they had just built was useless now. Richard Peters was the superintendent of the Georgia Railroad and he did not want to call the place Marthasville he, and he was clear about that but he was just the superintendent of a railroad he wasn't founding the town so there's nothing he could do about it so everyone thought. It, at least openly uh, publicly he expressed the the, it's i I don't think i ever saw that he said it was too long for him to print in the paper or something like that um but he definitely said he he felt it wasn't an elegant name i suspect again this is that's why i want to drive to it but this is me talking and nothing that (laughs) i read (laughs) i think he didn't like wilson lumpkin and he was mad at him for and so since the the town was named after wilson lumpkin's daughter yeah. Uh, Richard Peters wanted to stick it to Wilson Lumpkin by not letting him name the town uh. after, to, wanting to change the name of the town that had been named for Lumpkin's okay. daughter because okay. he switched the location of the railroad. Oh, um,
0: which kind of screwed? Which
1: screwed up his plans oh, for the Georgia Railroad?
0: I'm with. I like this theory. I mean, I, this theory makes sense. to seems
1: me. Seems to make sense to me. <laughs> it
0: makes sense. Okay. <laughs> why would
1: he? Why would he really care that much? Yeah, you
0: know? it is a strange thing because it's not like he's naming it after his daughter, right? Yeah. It is a, kind of an arbitrary thing to take on. Yeah. So that and makes it, sense. And
1: it, it's it just look. It, he didn't try to change the name of Macon. or, Yeah, or, and he wasn't even from I mean, Atlanta. Athens. So it's yeah. like,
0: okay, this yeah. makes sense.
1: He didn't. He decided that he wanted to change it. Uh, the letter that he actually wrote to his chief, and en- he couldn't think of a name that that suited. Um, but he wrote a letter to his chief engineer for the Georgia Railroad and said, "So we want to. I want a different name. What do you think?" And then uh, his chief engineer was named J. Edgar Thompson, and he wrote back and said, "Eureka! I've thought of the name. I'm paraphrasing. I, I I've thought of the the name. So." We have the um, Western and Atlantic, Atlantic being the masculine. The feminine version of that, I think I want to call it Atlanta. And, if you, and it's a coined phrase for the name of the town. And if you think it suits, go ahead and use it. So Richard Peters couldn't, he couldn't change the name of the town. Um, but what he could do was, is change the name of his station. So, And the Georgia Railroad was the first railroad that actually connected to Atlanta. They were the first ones to get there and complete their route um, all the way over from the East Coast all the way into the terminus. So as soon as, like literally the day they finished their railroad, freight started flowing back and forth, uh, especially bringing freight from uh, the interior of Georgia or the, the areas further west and bringing it back toward Savannah. Um so that was really important and the newspaper came out and said we, we have now um, established our our station that we are going to call Atlanta
0: So he so the newspaper came out what to like interview or I mean did it, he give this name to the newspaper?
1: Um, he gave that name to the newspaper oh, so Richard it was Peters- an announcement that they are beginning oh, service of the railroad So
0: Richard Peters is like, yeah yeah, it's Atlanta and so yeah. this official announcement comes out
1: the the announcement, uh, it's real short so I can read it. it, it says nothing about Marthasville. What it says is, we are requested, that's the newspaper saying that, I guess, we are requested to state that the passenger trains will commence their regular trips on this road between Augusta and Atlanta, its western terminus. On Monday, on Monday next, 15th instant, fare will be $7 at a, for a distance of 172 bottles. Freights for Atlanta will be received at the Augusta Depot at any time after the 10th. September 8th, he announced the name of his railroad. And uh, the town charter was amended on December 26th, 1845. So it only took a few months. And
0: and we know how Lumpkin felt?
1: We know how Lumpkin felt because he wrote it to his daughter and said that he was not... I forget exactly what he said, but he expressed that he was not happy and that he felt it was uh, it, it was unkind of them saying it to his daughter. he was like they were mean to you by by changing the name of your town. And uh, as far as I know, Martha never really expressed any displeasure with it. But
0: I love that story. Uh,
1: Wilson w- was the one, and w- w- Wilson Lumpkin being Wilson Lumpkin. All of the sudden, after all of this happened a story emerged that Martha's nickname as a toddler was actually Atlanta.
0: Yes, okay. Let, can we address this because <laughs> yes. there's a lot so I don't know if you get into this, but I sometimes I feel like when I tell people the true stuff, you know, the factual stuff, it kind of crushes their yeah. their little people dreams like to or tell you know these my stories. grandma. Yeah. yeah, but I see that a lot and yeah. I'm like that is not right. Right. So, it's not right, right? I mean, it's that's not correct. Yeah. Okay. Thank I, you.
1: I, again, <laughs> This is another one where I it's me talking, not not facts. I can't no, verify I have this. i
0: never found that. I think factual... Wilson
1: Lumpkin made up that story. Really? Because he wanted he wanted to tell everybody that yeah, they called it Atlanta, but you know, my daughter's still named Atlanta.
0: Oh, this makes so much sense. <laughs> yes. Okay. It and because... it's something he would
1: have done out of spite, I suspect.
0: Um so I hate to I hate to say this because it's, I want to talk about every other chapter, but you go on to talk about another chapters, um, the first mayor Jonathan Norcross, mm-hmm. and
1: he was the third mayor. The I think. third Moses mayor Moses Cornwall was the yes, first. Yes, you're right.
0: You're right. Yeah. And then the election and first city council, and yeah. I actually we'll have to do another podcast episode because Slabtown and Murals Row, I'm, I've always been very fascinated about. Yeah, me it was too. like shanty towns mm-hmm. and. The vice of the city, especially because I've been researching vice lately. Um, Mm -hmm. So I will just say that everyone needs to read the book to learn all this stuff. There's murders at the back or stabbings. Yeah, things Um, get really violent. Yeah, there's like rogue deputy marshals. So we're going to have to do part two. But in the interim, I'm going to put a link in the show notes for everybody to read this, um, for everybody to be able to purchase the book and to read it. And um, I just want to say thank you so much for coming.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having me.
0: So there you have it. Some incredible history of the earliest iterations of Atlanta. I will put a link in the show notes for you guys to purchase this book. I highly recommend it. Do not always recommend all Atlanta history books. So trust me on this one. Thank you everyone for listening. Remember to leave a rating and a review. Um, You can visit the Patreon link also in the show notes for bonus content and to support the podcast. Hope everyone has a great weekend. I'll talk to you next week.